to the Futures podcast from the Futures team here at Birkbeck, University of London. In this podcast, we'll be chatting with industry leaders and top UK employers to hear their advice, uncover what they look for when hiring and share their experiences of their own personal career journeys. We hope you enjoy the show. On today's episode, we're joined by Daniel McCoy, Head of Business Development at Photosat, a growing startup which has recently been selected to join an accelerator programme which is backed by Barclays. So a big welcome to Daniel, and more excitingly, Daniel is also one of our very own alumni. So big welcome and hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Should we start off by uh, finding out a little bit more about you? Do you want to tell us about your journey? Yeah, sure. So it was a little bit bumpy. Um, I started my career at Birkbeck or my journey at Birkbeck with a business and economics degree um, which I enrolled full-time in. Um, After a a few heavy months I realized Mm -hmm. that 50 to 60 hours a week in a management job plus a full-time degree wasn't the best idea. Uh, So in the end I went part-time and graduated with a business degree. When did you go part-time? How long did you stick it out for? I stuck it out for the best part of a year. Um, And funnily enough, um, in the second year, even though it was part-time, there was a bit of a gap where I didn't do much. And then it was kind of like it was (laughs) full-time. So in hindsight, I mean... You didn't (laughs) No, uh, it was... In hindsight, I could have probably just stuck it out for another two years. Granted, I would have aged a little bit quicker, but but it was doable. And there were other people doing it, Mm. to their credit. So what were you doing before you came to Birkbeck to study? So I kind of hit a bit of a a dead end in the job that I was in um, and the motivation behind joining uh, Birkbeck was rooted in a mixture of uh, motivation. So some were positive in the sense that I always like to learn and develop Mm -hmm. myself, uh, but some were also negative in feeling that I wasn't good enough for the job market when I was applying. I felt I needed that tick box to say degree sorted. Um, So I was working as a general manager for a company that specialised in distributing agricultural materials in and around London. Um, It was a family-run company, but it had a massive share of the market. Mm -hmm. Uh, So very different to what I'm doing now, completely different (laughs) in fact. Um, How did you get into that originally? So I was headhunted. And funnily enough, uh, it wasn't a decision I made motivated by anything other than money and that's mm-hmm. something that you know over time I've learned is far from enough yeah um, but yeah no that that's uh, that's effectively how I ended up in uh, a, a mixture of good and a mixture of bad mm-hmm. and what did you study uh, so it was a business degree mm-hmm. and uh, although it may have not necessarily been on the basis of it being business it was on the basis of having a degree. I've always had a knack for business. Yeah. Um, I did it at A-level, I did it at GCSE, always managed to get strong grades in that, and I thought, may as well carry it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of transferable skills that come with it, communication, you know, marketing. There's, there's definitely transferable. Yeah, definitely. And so did you carry on working as a general manager all through your degree? I did indeed, yeah. And that was incredibly tough. Um, and it was really difficult, like I say, doing 50 to 60 hours yeah, a week, and then imagine. rushing to the train station, coming to a lecture and sitting through, you know, sometimes a three-hour lecture, sometimes three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, certainly challenging. Uh, it was exhausting. When it came to the end, it made it that much sweeter. 
Um, but yeah, tough. Really <laughs> and when tough. did you end? Was it 2018? Uh, yeah, just last year. So, um, you know, it was a long, long four years. Have you got used to having your evenings back or do you miss it? Many people say that they miss it. Um, I wouldn't say I miss it. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've replaced those evenings with other things. Uh, you know, uh, my job now kind of goes late into the evening, but in a good way. So... I suppose it balances out. At first you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, At first you're kind of overwhelmed with this free time and you're thinking, what should you do? Uh, And you start with, you know, productive things like going to the gym, you know, doing meal preps and things like that. (laughs) Uh, But that starts to, you know, fall away after some time. Yeah. I guess it teaches you to make the most out of your day because you're used to using those hours and being productive in those hours to them. Absolutely, yeah. I, I suppose if you're doing anything other than being productive in the time that you're used to going to degree mm-hmm. uh, to you know lectures and seminars, yeah, there, there's an element of guilt that kicks mm-hmm. in. So, at what point did you then um, decide to to move on and find a new role? Funnily enough, it was um, before I actually finished the degree. So, um, I was in the previous role for about six years. I was really well paid, mm-hmm. um, and everything was going great. But. Uh, in the money side of things, but then I realized, you know what, if if I don't really commit myself to finding something new, then I'm not going to do it. And yeah. when you're juggling, looking for work, working in a management role, and studying at the same time, you know, it's impossible for those things not to take a hit. There's yeah. only so much effort you can stretch. So I started looking around, I applied for a job at a startup through LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, had to carry out a three-minute video to okay. interview for it, which was unusual. I'd mm-hmm. never done that before. Um, so I did that, recorded it, sent it off. And a week later, I handed my notice at my current job, even though I hadn't had a response because mm-hmm. I decided I'll make it work. And thankfully, it worked out. <laughs> um, and I didn't actually have any time off between the two jobs, mm. which was great. So did you know what you wanted to do at that point, or was it a bit of kind of like a... I'll just apply for some things and see. It, it was partially a leap of faith and partially um, knowing what it entailed to be a part of a startup. Um, the company I worked for was family-run, so there weren't that many resources, but there was a, a good grasp of the market. So mm-hmm. the resources were stretched. It was about you know putting on a lot of different hats, adopting yeah. lots of different roles. And I thought... You know, this could transfer well into a startup. A startup is more likely to give you a job if mm-hmm. you don't hold that relevant experience, which is another advantage. And yeah, I mean, I felt like it was a step in the right direction rather than standing still. The last job I had, I answered directly to my director. Mm-hmm. There was no way to go. It was family run. So unless I changed my surname, I wasn't really going to get much further. <laughs> so. What do you what do you actually do now? Obviously, you are working in business development, head of business development. Mm-hmm. But what what is that? What does that mean? Good question. I often go into work and wonder what it means. It's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It's doing whatever is needed. Um, it's a startup. I make up a third of the London team. It's me, the CEO, and the head of uh, technology, which sounds small. <laughs> sounds small. It is small, um, but it, it's uh, a lot of sending emails. A lot of drafting materials for communication, uh, presenting at events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had to pitch to investors. Um, you know, I've had to demo products to large corporates. It, it's, 
it's very varied. That's yeah. the only way to really put so it. So what, what does your day normally look like? So I'll um, typically get in bright and early. Um, my CEO and my head of tech, being software engineers previously, mm-hmm. uh, get in a little bit later, so I'm then way <laughs> earlier than them. Um, usually I'm following up on emails, uh, working on some of the assets we have that mm-hmm. we use to obviously promote the company, uh, engaging with event organizers, uh, booking slots where we can actually speak at events, and just generally looking for any opportunity to kind of get that initial mm-hmm. traction that you know separates a, a company from a startup, really. So I guess very people-focused. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, massively. Um, and, and that's definitely you know, one of the aspects I like most, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, building relationships, communicating, and evolving that, really. Yeah. And I guess, so there's three of you in London. How many are there in general in the company, in total? So the company was born out of Italy, but it's based in London. So the, the people we have in London are primarily freelancers mm-hmm. working on software development. Um, there's a mixture of reasons for that. Software developers in London typically move from place to place. Yeah which means that a lot of that skill and a lot of that consistency is lost. Whereas in Italy, we have freelancers that are very consistent and have been a part of the team for years, in mm-hmm. fact, which is a, a massive advantage. Um, so yeah, even in Italy, it's pretty, yeah. pretty slim. So it's a small company, um, but you'd, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of these small startups that have generated huge amounts of revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, we're living in an era of uh, people like Revolut giving banks a run for their money yeah. and you know insurers like Cover, for instance. There, there's, there's a lot that a small to an agile team can do. Um, these large companies have massive legacy issues that mm-hmm. they're struggling to overcome and it's allowing these small companies to really outpace them. Mm, definitely. And what's it like to actually work in a startup as an employee? So it's, uh, for me, it was the first time I'd entered that world, so it was very, very different. Um, there are some of the kind of cliches that people assume, you know, like uh, sleeping bags, and not sleeping bags, sorry, um, those bean bags that you can kind of yeah. chill on and, you know, coffee machine and free cereal, free food. And yeah, those elements are there. Um, but I would say the... the best part would be the community aspect. Usually if you work for a startup, you're usually in a shared working space, so Mm -hmm. you're working amongst other small businesses and startups, and you learn a lot from other people, Um, Mm -hmm. whereas in large corporations you you might be siloed and really only know that one message, and and it's a little bit trickier to learn and develop. Would you recommend working in a startup? I would definitely recommend it if uh, someone's looking to build up experience. Mm -hmm. um, The reality is, you know, the likelihood of a startup succeeding is is slim. So it it has that element of risk. You will learn a lot, you will learn quickly. Um, You'll be treated like a a human being. You will work really, really hard, Mm -hmm. but but it's certainly a good way to upskill. It's a good way to network and meet new people. You'll go to a lot of events Mm -hmm. where you meet a lot of interesting people. Um, so it's, it's definitely worthwhile. Um, ideally, if it's something you're passionate about, mm-hmm. absolutely. If it's a cause you can get behind, great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's been exciting so far. Um, you know, it's really about balancing what someone's needs are at any given point. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that although obviously your job title is Head of Business Development, 
that's not all you do in a startup. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, as I say, it could be you know a bit of graphical design here and there in terms of uh, you know polishing up some of the materials we have for promotions, um, pitching at events, uh, speaking on a panel. It could be absolutely mm-hmm. anything that's needed. Um, it could be chasing up an invoice. Anything, anything you can think of in yeah. a business, you might have to kind of put that hat on um, until you grow, really. And then yeah. as you grow, you're able to, you know, employ people that are specialists in different areas. I mean, I would never be asked to do any of the software development or anything that I'm completely unable to do, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but it is a lot of mixing around lots of different tasks. And uh, yeah, it's... You're definitely never bored. Yeah, which I guess is great as well for career growth. Absolutely. So you try lots of different things and you yeah. do upskill. It's a bit of a double-ended sword. I mean, because of the career history I've had previous to that, you know, I've, I've done a lot of roles where I've done a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of left in a situation where you're not really a specialist in anything, which is its own challenge. Um, but I think it's, it's quite good having that because you never have any... You're never set in stone or about anything. You know, you're always learning. You're always developing. Yeah. You, you know a bit of different aspects of business, meaning that you're able to evolve and develop that. Whereas if all you've done is, you know, say you're a human resources manager and you've done it for years and years at a single company, when you move on, it's hard to kind of adapt to new values, new cultures, mm-hmm. new techniques. Whereas for me, I'm I'm quite fluid. I'm I'm able to adopt yeah. new things. And I guess the, the whole startup world is growing, and it so is. it's it quite is. unlikely that you'll ever be in a role where you would just wear one hat and do one thing. Absolutely, and it's a strange thing to take comfort in, in my opinion, um, maybe because it's not something that I've ever done, um, but, you know, variety, they say, what, variety is the spice of life, mm-hmm. you know, um, doing the same thing day in, day out. You know, it might work for some, but it's certainly not something you'll expect mm-hmm. at a startup. Even if you're given a, a certain role, yeah. um, if you're not willing to pull up your sleeves, it's possibly not the best environment. Yeah. And when you started looking for a new role, mm-hmm. did you understand and kind of appreciate how many transferable skills you had to move into a startup tech environment? Absolutely not. Um, one of the things that helped, funnily enough, was uh, Burbeck. So I took advantage of the career coaching program mm-hmm. that's offered, and I recommend it to anyone who's in a position of thinking about what they want to do, um, because that gave me a lot of perspective as to the kind of skills I developed and how valuable they were. Because the industry I worked in previously was, you know, agriculture. I kind of yeah. always worried that employers would just pigeonhole me as like a, a gardener or something. <laughs> And, um, you know, having done the career coaching through Birkbeck, it absolutely changed my perspective of things. Uh, I was able to see that skills that I developed that I had somewhat undervalued were actually a lot more valuable than mm-hmm. I thought. Um, I didn't necessarily think startup straight away at that point, but it gave me a lot of confidence. And that's a big part of uh, looking for new work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, if you stay somewhere long enough, you kind of uh, get used to what you're yeah, doing, get comfortable. you get comfortable and you, you just assume that it's not as valuable as it actually mm. is. And it can then become quite scary to then go and put yourself 
in a very new, potentially uncomfortable situation for the first few weeks until you actually settle in. Absolutely. There is a bit of a kind of leap to it. Um, for me, it felt quite natural. Uh, I was at a previous place for about six years, which obviously Sometimes. made it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it was worth it for me. And um, in doing it, you know, I, I took a sacrifice in terms of pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I strongly recommend it to anyone that's able to do so. So aside from that, there was also the workshops that Burbank mm-hmm. does. Um, those were really good. You know, learning about, you know, common pitfalls on the CV. Yeah. And anything you can chip away at and improve is going to increase your odds. Mm-hmm. And with the transferable skills that the career coaching helped you kind of understand and draw out, Mm -hmm. what did you then do with that? So I kind of, uh, so the career coach I had was able to help me list my most valuable skills. Mm -hmm. And using that, I was able to look at a job description and think, right, where does this skill fit into that? And in doing that, I started to obviously think back at situations where I'd use that skill. Yeah. And, and make it relatable, which made a huge difference. Having them listed um, was really, really useful. I think it depends on the person you are, but for me, I've always struggled to kind of, um, you know, value myself in that way. I always kind of want to hear what somebody else's mm-hmm. opinion was. So in speaking to a career coach and explaining exactly what you do, and then realizing that their perspective of it is completely different to your mm-hmm. own makes a huge difference. Yeah. And how did you pitch that on your CV or in your applications? Um, a number of different ways. Uh, anyone who's um, been through the process of career shifting or looking for a, you know other work, when you really get involved with it, you start making changes after changes after changes. And uh, a lot of the time, if you're not getting feedback as to what's worked and what mm-hmm. hasn't, it can be a never-ending cycle. Um, the reality is, with the number of people applying for any given job, you're not always going to get a response. In fact, most of the time you won't. Mm-hmm. Even if you chase them for one, it's always recommended you chase for one. But if you're not hearing back what was good or bad about your CV, you are in a situation where you either keep it as is mm-hmm. and keep throwing it at people, hopefully hoping that the situation changes, or you make changes in the hope that you know you get something right. Um, but the reality is sometimes there's absolutely nothing yeah. you can do. Um, and that's, uh, I think that was one of the things I learned early on. With mm-hmm. And you said that you had quite a bumpy journey. Yeah, absolutely. What would you, tell me a little bit more about that. What would you say were the ups and downs? So, um, right, so I never went to university when I finished secondary school. I, in fact, I did go to university when I finished secondary school in the sense that I was told by my school, go or fail kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us were told that. Um, it's the logical next step for many, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I thought, right, well, UCAS, let's do it. And I went to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went for, I'd say, about a month. Um, felt like it wasn't for me. I looked around and kind of realised that this wasn't really the right time uh, and I didn't come to university under the right motivations. Yeah. Uh, so funnily enough, I went through my enrollment contract and realised that I could actually drop out without incurring any fees. Mm-hmm. Not before getting an NUS card, of course. <laughs> the um, 
<laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, uh, I left effectively and I went to work uh, for a high-end fashion retailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it was a company that managed uh, DKY jeans and okay. Armani. And I did that for about a year. And then I kind of realized, okay, there's kind of a limit to where I can develop and grow here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe university again, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, and so I, I left that role and I joined uh, Garden Center as a part-time worker. And I kind of thought, right, well, while I'm you know, preparing my UCAS, I'll earn a bit of money. And then I was offered a management job, even though I was only working part-time. Mm-hmm. And it obviously came with a bump in pay. Uh, and it also came with uh, a place to live in. Uh, wow. Doesn't happen very often. No, no. It was a very unusual offer. And, you know, being young, uh, coming from an overcrowded household... I kind of thought, yeah, definitely. Um, and I was, you know, there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was kind of living rent-free, again, it was a situation where the garden centre had limits. I mean, it, it, was a, it wasn't part of a massive group or anything. And so I kind of spent quite a few years there just, I suppose, enjoying the freedom, enjoying the carefree mm-hmm. life, um, but then realising it was wasn't enough, um, it wasn't fulfilling enough. So I uh, went from there to being a sales rep at a stationary company that uh, was very good and very, very active on training. Uh, I think I spent the best part of a year there and over a month of that was actually training at their headquarters, mm-hmm. uh, a lot on communication, a lot on dealing with people, managing accounts. And then that's when I was headhunted for the job I, I had just before this job at the startup and I was offered money and lured in yet again mm-hmm. uh, for the wrong reasons. And very, very shortly after that, I realized, okay, I need to do something about this cycle. So a year into that job, that's when I applied mm-hmm. for Burbeck because I realized... Uh, third time lucky. Third time lucky, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I got in. It was all unconditional, which was great. It turned out all that management experience that I had built up had some value. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, it was a, it was a good move. It was a tough move, uh, but part of the motivations behind that were not just because I thought the degree would get me a job. It was kind of needing that validation. Um, when you apply for different work, you, you have no idea why you might be selected or not selected, mm-hmm. and I felt like having a degree on my CV was a good starting point. Yeah, and it's been a good decision then. Absolutely. Um, funnily enough, you know, I, I secured this job at the startup um, before completing my degree. And what actually I think got me over the line and upon speaking to my CEO is the fact that I was working full-time in a mm-hmm. management role and doing a degree at the same time. So there's a lot of value to that. Mm-hmm. So I suppose my advice to students is don't, Think that people don't realize that's a big deal um, there's obviously a, an art to how you put that on your CV without making it look like you made a mistake yeah I suppose when you put that you're working and then it clashes with the time that you're doing a degree mm-hmm. did you get asked that it just a couple of times I the, the funny thing is I, I wasn't as active uh, at applying and getting to interviews as I'd like to be actually um, and this is another thing that comes with applying for work. To do it well, you do have to invest quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, there isn't a one-size-fits-all. You really have to tailor absolutely every bit of communication to mm -hmm. that job spec, um, and it's tough. What was the interview process at the startup? I know startups quite often have a bit of an individual hiring process. They can be quite quirky. Um, right, so I sent in the CV. Uh, that CV was looked at. They liked it. That was via LinkedIn. That yeah. was via LinkedIn, absolutely. Um, crucial platform if you're not on LinkedIn and you're desperate to find new work. I would say you're missing a massive trick. Um, so I sent the CV, they liked the CV, and then requested a three minute video, uh, mm -hmm. which had a, a variation of tasks. Um, it was really weird for me to do, because you know I've never done anything like yeah. that. Um, sent that through, then we had an interview. Uh, I was asked you know, a load of strange questions, not your typical questions, some of it in and around what you already do. Mm -hmm. um, one was, um, I think a recycled Google question, which was, if you were a cereal, what kind of cereal <laughs> would you be? It's like the common biscuit question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, it, it's an odd question, but I suppose, I still don't know why uh, that's something that Google asks, but I suppose it's a way of checking that you, you know, you've got a pulse, you have a character. Mm -hmm. What did you say? That's a good question. I think I said Fruit Loops, mm. I think. And I think the reason I, I gave was, you know, because of my skill set being so broad and not having any specialism. So you've got a bowl full of different colours. <laughs> I seem to like that. I feel like um, you know the job was in the bag before I answered that question because that literally was the final question. And if that was what made all the difference, that would be quite concerning. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting setup. Um, I'd say definitely something worth working on is communication and, and being confident in speaking in front of mm -hmm. a camera because chances are as we become more digital that is going to be a, yeah. a bigger part of interviews plus chances are that you'll get screened via Skype or, or mm -hmm. a similar video platforming tool. Well, I guess video in general is just bigger now. It is. You look on LinkedIn and everybody's posting videos. Um, I don't know if you do much video Kind of not so much. Like I've become very active on LinkedIn actually, and uh, it's it's really really good. It's mm -hmm. a great tool for networking. Um, if you're currently studying at Birkbeck, uh, I can't recommend enough to actually reach out to the people that you want to aspire to become, mm -hmm. and just say, look, this is the industry I'm getting into. I wondered if you know you could share some tips or give me some advice. And you'd be surprised, people are quite willing to help. Mm -hmm. Especially people like to talk about themselves, so just finding out about their career journeys, they're always happy to have that conversation with you. Absolutely. There's this, um, there's this thing, at least I, I remember this being a thing a while back, that people didn't want to click on each other's LinkedIn profiles because so it leaves a trace. They're stalking you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really... Fine. I mean, it's a it's a public profile. Don't don't be put off by clicking mm. someone's profile. Yeah, they'll know you click them. Um, you can you can turn the settings up, I think, as well. But I think, I think that's part of the fun of LinkedIn Absolutely. to know who's been looking at your profile and how you can build a relationship with those people. Exactly, and you know, employers will expect you to do that. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a bad signal. It's going to be a good signal. It shows that you know you're going to an interview and you've taken the time mm -hmm. to do a bit of research. And it's always nice as well when you see um, somebody that you know is going to be interviewing you, check out your profile. Absolutely. Beforehand. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a big part. An interview, although 
it gets built up in your mind as a, a one-way thing. It is really a two-way mm, thing. Definitely. Um, I would never recommend anyone jump into a, you know, a company where the culture fit or the value fit isn't right. Um, yeah. That's really important. Yeah, I think it's so important to not get caught up on a job spec. Yeah, the job the job sounds amazing, but mm-hmm. do the values align? Is it a culture that you want? Everybody says good culture, but good culture is different for every single person. Absolutely. And yeah. is that actually right? That's going to help you grow, and you'll be motivated to go there every day. Exactly, because that that's what's going to make the difference. Yeah, job roles can change, but the company and the culture is a lot less likely to. Definitely. So when you say uh, LinkedIn is obviously crucial if you're looking for a job, yep. how did you use LinkedIn when you were looking? So setting up job alerts is crucial. Uh, making sure everything you have is filled in, absolutely crucial. Uh, a good, clear picture mm-hmm. of yourself. Um, making yourself visible because there are a lot of privacy settings for good reason. Um, I think early on I was worried about my current company knowing that I was looking around, mm-hmm. um, but I was quite lucky in the sense that they weren't ever very digital or very on it when it came to LinkedIn. In fact, uh, even looking at my LinkedIn now, there's still no logo for, mm-hmm. for that company on there. Um, so yeah, make sure you're visible, comment on things, yeah. like things. Um, if there's something that you want to get engage in a conversation about, absolutely do it. Uh, there's a lot of groups within LinkedIn, mm-hmm. so if you've got a particular interest, be it marketing, be it human resources, there will be dozens of groups for any given mm-hmm. category. Um, to really engage in it, um, find people that you know. Um, if you go to events, connect with the people that you meet at events. Mm-hmm. Um, always send someone a nice little message, it makes a yeah. world of difference. I wouldn't just go, you know, spam adding everyone. Um, but you know, make valuable connections mm-hmm. and, and check the feed, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I use LinkedIn probably more than I use like BBC News. LinkedIn is my news feed for everything going on in the industries that I'm interested in. Yeah, it's perfect for that, absolutely. And the thing with LinkedIn, and a lot of people kind of miss this, if you post something, if you write something, if you comment on something and somebody else likes it, that becomes part of their feed and mm-hmm. the, the knock-on effect is huge. Uh, I did a post last week and I was shocked to find it, no, actually it was a couple of weeks ago, and I was shocked to find it reached 5,500 mm-hmm. people. I don't know 5,500 <laughs> people on LinkedIn. Um, so its ability to spread is incredible. Mm. And just one of those 5,000 people that view that post needs to be the right person that you're trying to connect with. Absolutely. And then you've done it. And I think it's it's also a really good point to make that all of those things that you've just mentioned about using LinkedIn for, don't just do it when you want a job. Mm. And I think it's so important to do it consistently so that then when you actually do come to look for a role, you have that network, an engaged network, you've built a personal brand that means something. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you just have to start from scratch when exactly. you actually want to start looking. Because whoever, you know, wherever you apply, whoever's going to interview, they'll look at your profile. And, you know, you can't backdate posts. Um, so if they see that you've only in the last few weeks started posting things and commenting on things, they'll mm-hmm. notice it. So start now, um, beginning of your degree, why not? Yeah. Um, it could even be used to help you in assignments. You might, you know, get insights from the people within the skill sets that you're learning about. Definitely. And in fact, that goes back to one question I forgot to ask you earlier. Um, 
working in quite a tech focused startup, mm-hmm. how was that not having a tech background? So that's uh, interesting because I always was worried about that and that put me off applying um, you know, to roles that I'd be interested in. I'm, I'm actually very into tech. Mm-hmm. I'm an early adopter of like any gizmo or gadget. You know, I got the Apple Watch as soon as it came mm-hmm. out. And I'm tech aware. I like to watch keynotes and everything. But on a CV, there's no real mm-hmm. way of showing that. Um, it's not as difficult as you think. Um, I know it sounds a little bit silly, but uh, before starting the role, I watched a bit of Silicon Valley, <laughs> which is just a, a sitcom that kind of is centered around that kind of mm-hmm. startup world. Um, and you probably pick up enough from that. You you know, the, the key thing is that you're willing to learn. And mm-hmm. if you can show that in an interview, then really there's nothing really holding you back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knowing, you know, what IoT is or blockchain isn't going to be the thing that gets you into a startup role. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing how they're valuable becomes useful, but that's something you, you learn. Yeah. And I think what made that question come back to mind is, again, looking at how useful LinkedIn can be for that kind of thing, because you don't have to have experience in it, but if you post about something within the industry that you want to move into, or Mm -hmm. you're commenting or engaging with people in that network, then it shows that you do have an interest, you have an understanding, or more importantly, you have a willingness to find out what's going on. Exactly. I mean, you can't actually pay someone to be enthusiastic mm-hmm. um, and companies need that enthusiasm they need that energy you know that ability to think outside the box mm-hmm. and, and funnily enough with, um, with the startup that I'm at part of their motivation was that I was able to bring a holistic kind of perspective mm-hmm. on the business um, sometimes you'd be surprised at just how much value there is in having a different perspective mm-hmm. somebody from the outside that hasn't seen it from the start completely fresh set of eyes absolutely absolutely so unless you have anything else to add i've just got one last question absolutely. to ask you um so if you could go back in time mm-hmm. and whether that be to you starting your degree at Birkbeck or by um starting your first role post deciding not to go to university mm-hmm. and give yourself one piece of advice what would you say so if I was to start my career again, I would have been more explorative. Uh, if you have the luxury to commit time to trying jobs mm-hmm. before you, you, know, you become an adult and all of a sudden have to pay bills, <laughs> do it. Uh, whether it's internships, work experience, volunteering, just do it. Um, you really can't put a value on that. Uh, because once you're kind of into the process of having to maintain a job for other reasons, it's very difficult to have the luxury to explore. Um, And in terms of, if I could go back to the start of my uh, degree, I would say actively seek help and guidance. There's a lot of uh, clubs, there's a lot of societies, there's a lot of of things that you can access as a Birkbeck student that you kind of only find out about towards the end Mm -hmm. if you're not careful, Um, and it's, really 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 important that you're an active participant it's not a london tube ride you you've got to really look and and see what's available to you 
it's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not just sitting on a tube. Exactly. Um, well, I hope you have found that um, useful and big thank you, Daniel, for chatting through your career journey. Um, if you want to find out about any of the services as well that Daniel mentioned, um, so any of the workshops or the career coaching, then drop talent at bbk.ac.uk in the email address and we'll be able to tell you more. Um, but thank you very much. No problem at all. Thank you. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening to the Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time.